0: Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It's October the 30th, 2023, the day before Halloween. The most useless holiday in existence. Oh, God. Uh, you know, I guess the the one, the saving grace to living down here in the sticks, I don't have to worry about trick-or-treaters uh, because we live uh, uh, way off the beaten path and uh, we don't have to do it. And it's not, look, I have nothing against, you know, kids doing that kind of stuff, but I hated it when I was a kid. Just never liked Halloween. And, and by the way, the other part of it is I don't like being scared. Life's scary enough you know it's evidence with what's going on around the world right now. I don't need to be find some artificial holiday that I'm supposed to be, you know, people are trying to scare me. That's just not just not my thing. Um we uh got some things around the world to talk about before we get started with sports this morning. Of course, the whole thing going on over in uh the Gaza Strip with Israel and Hamas and you know, I I don't understand. I honestly don't. And and maybe I'm maybe I'm out of touch. But I, here's what I don't understand. We have all kinds of protests going on in this country and around the world, and everybody talking about how this is some kind of uh, genocide that uh, Israel is now uh, waging against the Palestinian people on the Gaza Strip. Yet, so, and, and somehow it has been conveniently forgotten that this was started by Hamas breaking into Israel and murdering over a thousand people and taking a bunch of people hostage and just going around towns and indiscriminately shooting men, women, and children. And, and, and what, is Israel not supposed to respond to this? Is it Israel's fault that the Palestinian people have allowed Hamas to take over that area and use them as human shields? I mean, the people that live in Gaza, Hamas has tunnels that run underneath apartment buildings and hospitals. And so But but the people have allowed that, you know. Until until at some point, you know, we talk about you know that that uh, uh, you know terrorist groups don't speak for the whole Muslim community and don't speak. Well, at some point, unless the people themselves rise up and stop this stuff, what are we supposed to do? What is Israel supposed to do? Are they supposed to say? Are they supposed to turn the other cheek after Hamas? You know, killed a bunch of their citizens and just say, oh, it's okay. We understand you're frustrated. No, they have to respond. You have to, just as the way the United States responded after 9-11. Now, the United States made some mistakes. We went way beyond what we should have done, and there was some stuff that was manufactured, and and, and I was glad to see our president kind of warning Israel and, and acknowledging the mistakes that the United States made. But no matter what country it is, you have to respond. You cannot just simply let this pass. And yet, it's now being pictured that the United States and Israel are somehow a joined at the hip, which really pisses me off. Just because you know, you know, there's no reason for that. And burning flags and protesting on college campuses and uh, you know, threatening Jewish people. I mean, come on. I don't uh, where all of a sudden the the narrative turned. From, oh, my God, look what Hamas did and all the Israelis did, to now it's the Israelis' fault somehow. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, the one thing I will say that's come out of this is, uh, and I don't know that it's ever going to happen, uh, but Joe Biden saying that, uh, you know, the the path forward on this is there has to be a two-state solution. The Palestinians have to be allowed to have their own state, just like Israel does. That has to happen. The reason I, There's no reason why it shouldn't happen. And at some point, this you know, this has got to be pushed forward. And I'll tell you what, and if Joe Biden wants to cement his uh, second term, make something happen over there. You know, get something going on a, you know, be, be the peace broker and get something going on a two-state solution. But in the meantime, you have got to allow the Israelis um, to respond to what happened. And, you know, and it's good to hear the president saying, hey, you know, we have to make sure that we keep the loss of, you know, civilian lives down, uh, you know, and, and pr- protect everybody's lives, not just, you know, uh, Israelis, but uh, the Palestinian people that are innocent here. So, you know, and, and you know, the, the it's just crazy. I mean, it's gotten to a point where, you know, my youngest daughter, who who doesn't follow the news closely, but follows it a little, and she's always... Texting me, she's thirty years old, and she's texting dad to tell her what's going on in the world. You know, to or explain it to her. So I, you know, I so I explain what's going on, and and she's like, okay, and then she's like, you know, but she said, you know, she sits there and she says, I'm just worried we're going to blow this world up. You know, and there's no question that that uh, you know, and I even made a comment to my wife. I said, Jesus, I hope hope I'm dead before uh, things completely go south with what's going on with with uh you know Russia and Ukraine and now in the Gaza strip and we have the Chinese threatening everybody over uh in Southeast Asia and you know, it's just like uh, you worry you know you worry and and you hate to see young people like my daughter and a lot of us that have children you know that are in their their late 20s early 30s and you know and and you know as parents you want to reassure them but I don't know how you reassure them you know what I mean? I, I really don't. Uh, you know, I just, uh, all I said to my daughter is I said, well, you know, we've come close before and cooler heads pre- have prevailed and you just have to hope that that's going to happen again because, you know, the alternative is as our world ends. And I'd like to think even the idiots understand that, that they're, you know, you know, unless you're some zealot, you know, that, that believes that you want to go to heaven uh and you don't care how many people you take with you i mean by and large I, i'd like to think the leaders in the world you know use it as a as a threat but i'd like to think that we're all smart enough not to to use nuclear weapons but you know uh we'll see so you know so there's that you're getting beat over the head with that then this whole thing that went on in maine uh with the the guy that had had supposedly warned people like 6 weeks ago that he might shoot up a you know, a, a you know a place, and and then all of a sudden, hey, look what happens. You know, and now we have, and now after the ha- fact, as as it happens all the time, whenever we have a mass shooting, now all of a sudden lawmakers in Maine and you know are calling for a assault weapons ban, yada yada yada, uh, yeah. And and yet nothing ever happens, and we keep going round and round with this. And by the way, you have a better chance of being struck by lightning than you do uh, people in Maine going along with something like that. I uh, have relatives in Maine, and I can tell you, somebody tries to tell them that they can't have their AR, it's not going to go well, and they are not. and 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 my relatives there are are uh, a pretty good representation of the majority of the people of the state of Maine. So you know, good luck. I'm not saying I disagree. I you know I don't think anybody needs an AR. And anybody that wants to tell me, "Wow, I need it for hunting," baloney. People hunted for years without AR-style rifles. My my uh, my uncle, you know, took down a moose with a with a uh, you know a bolt-action rifle. And don't tell me that you know you need something that's a semi-automatic rifle to be able to take down you know a deer. Come on. If if that's what you need, you shouldn't be hunting in the first place because you're the world's worst shot. That's all I'm saying. So nobody needs that. You know what? If the Chinese or the Russians invade, hand them out to everybody. But until then, the only people that need them are the army or the military and, uh, and law enforcement. Otherwise, nobody needs those. The only good thing that came out of Maine is the guy tried to get a, uh, a silencer for his weapon. And they wouldn't sell it to him because on the questionnaire there was the thing of, have you ever had to undergo mental health treatment? And he said yes. Thank God the guy t- told the truth and didn't lie, and they didn't give him a silencer. Because can you imagine, nobody would have ever known about this until more people were dead if the shots hadn't been audible. Can you imagine that? Oh, my God. So anyway, uh, so so yeah, so uh, things around the world are looking really rosy. Uh, and then we find out this weekend that Matthew Perry died. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, my God. And Matthew Perry's 54 years old now you know and and i hate i hate it when people younger than me die oh my god cuz you know when you get to be in your 60s you know you're 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 kind of clicking off in your head how many years do i have left and then you see people like that dying, and you're like oh now you know to put it in perspective i mean this is a guy who's abused his body with drugs and alcohol for years and at some point it catches up to you and by all accounts i guess he'd been doing well and but had pl- been playing pickleball for a couple of hours uh, sent his assistant out to do something, and uh, they came back to find him uh, like in his hot tub. and I guess he had drowned or had a heart attack and drowned or something. So, um, and, you know, and I wasn't a big fan of Friends. By the way, I always, I always thought the show was dumb. People, loved, oh my god, I had friends that loved it. It's kind of like Seinfeld. I always thought Seinfeld was an absolutely stupid show. Why? Because they were all the characters on Seinfeld and Friends were people you wouldn't want to have as friends because they were idiots and some of them were just jerks you know but uh you know whatever i mean uh whatever although you know i say that in one of my favorite comedies of all time is is cheers and most of the people on cheers were idiots too but uh but those two i don't know whatever it is seinfeld and and uh, friends never appealed to me but matthew perry um was actually in a couple of pretty good movies and uh uh, uh you know i you, you hate to you hate to see somebody that uh, and and the one thing he said he said you know when I die I don't want people to remember me for friends I want them to remember me for somebody that tried to help other people with drug and alcohol addictions that anybody that that came to him afterwards uh, he always tried to help them and and uh, you know he wrote a book about it and uh, so uh, I hope, you know let's hope that that's that's the legacy and people will remember that. Um, I mean, but obviously uh, for the millions and millions of people that love friends, uh, that was a very tough, tough thing to hear on Sunday. All right, let's, uh, let's, on that happy note, <laughs> let's, let's get to sports. Um, my, uh, I, I enjoyed some of yesterday's NFL action. Uh, unfortunately, not being able to have uh NFL Sunday ticket anymore because you now have to to be able to stream it. And I live down here where you all know by now we don't have good internet. So I can't, even if I wanted to uh, have uh, YouTube TV, I can't because I can't stream anything without the constant buffering. So that's not going to work. So I'm stuck with what games are on television. So I got stuck, and thankfully so, with the Falcons game because I live two hours from Atlanta. So I got stuck with the Falcons game. On Sunday, now I was curious about this game because the Titans were playing the Falcons. The game was in Nashville, one of my favorite cities, um, and Will Levis was going to get his first career start for the Tennessee Titans. Will Levis played at Xavier High School in Middletown, Connecticut, where I lived for years. I broadcast Middletown uh, in Xavier High School games for years, including the first two years of Will Levis's high school career. And if anybody, if I if I told you that when I watched Will Levis play, his freshman and sophomore years, starting at quarterback for Xavier, and I knew this kid was going to be an NFL uh, prospect, I would have told you you would uh, I would have been lying. But what happened was, is you know, by, between his sophomore year in high school and then when he went to college, he grew like eight inches, and he is a, an absolute stud now. 6'4", kids ripped, uh, ended up at Kentucky, a lot of people thought he was going to be a first-round draft pick. He fell to, uh, I think, the 33rd overall pick. And the Tennessee Titans traded up to get him in the second round. He was the third quarterback taken last year. And, man, it paid dividends yesterday. He throws for four touchdown passes yesterday in his NFL debut. 238 yards, no picks. And the Titans beat the Falcons 28-23. to And, you know, uh it's, it's not that, uh, you know, I mean, it's not, it's just, it was fun. I mean, the kid from, uh, I think he's actually, I think he's from, I could be wrong, but I think he's from Madison or somewhere he's down along the shoreline and Xavier high school is a Catholic school. So they draw kids, uh, from all over, uh, that area. And I think he might be from Madison, but I'm not 100% positive on that. And, uh, You know the kid just looked great. I mean, throwing the ball and he had a couple of other passes. He was nineteen of twenty nine. He probably had three or four drops, passes that no doubt should have been caught. So showed a lot of poise in the pocket. Showed a very 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 strong arm. uh, Only took a couple of sacks, and that was a great win uh, for the Tennessee Titans yesterday. Uh, By the way. With those touchdowns, with those four touchdowns in his debut, uh, only two other NFL quarterbacks have ever done that, ever. Marcus Mariota is one of them, which, you know, go figure. Uh, He did that in 2015 with the Titans, by the way. And then Fran Tarkenton, who's in the NFL Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, they are the only two quarterbacks in NFL history to ever throw for four touchdown passes in their debut. That was awesome. Uh, Levis was also the seventh rookie quarterback to start this season. Uh, it's the most to start in the first eight weeks since the NFL merger with the uh, with the AFL. I mean, it, you know, so this is, uh, you know, this was not a small thing that he did yesterday. So good for him, uh, good for the Titans. Look, the Titans needed that win. Uh, they they had been taking on water in a big, big way. Uh, they're still under 500, 3 and 4, and they're trying to chase down Jacksonville. But the thing is, is that the uh, the NFL is, boy, I tell you, they're, it's, it's a crapshoot this year. There are no great teams. You know, when we started out the season, it looked like, you know, there were going to be a couple of teams that were head and shoulders above others and there really aren't. I mean, look, I know look you know, uh, the Eagles are 7 and 1. I get that, but they're, you know, you look at their schedule and you look at the fact that their quarterback is banged up and you wonder how sustainable that is. You look at Dallas and look Dallas won yesterday, put up a lot of points, but they're 5 and 2, wildly inconsistent and, you know, you just never know with Dak Prescott what you're going to get. We thought the 49ers were the best team in football. They've now lost 3 in a row. So, if you're the Titans sitting at 3 and 4, in the AFC South, and you're looking around going, well, we're still in the picture. And now, look, you have to wonder going forward if Will Levis is now their guy. You know, Ryan Tannehill is hurt. Don't know how long he's going to be out, but when it's, even when it's time for him to come back, you almost wonder now if they just hand the reins to Will Levis. And I'll tell you what, there was talk that you know maybe the Titans would consider trading Derrick Henry at the trade deadline, which is coming up this week. Um, here's what I'm wondering now. I'm wondering now if they might consider trading Ryan Tannehill somewhere, getting some draft capital back or whatever, and just saying, here you are, Will Levis, this is your team, and we've got Malik Willis as the backup or the occasional wildcat guy. And that's what we roll with at this point. And we keep Derrick Henry, and we give ourselves a chance, and we see what happens down the stretch. You know, I guess a lot of it will depend on, you know, how long Tannehill's going to be out. But it's something, I mean, there's there's a lot of teams that are going to be trying to make that decision this week. The Patriots are another one. You know, you just don't know what, uh, you know, after the Patriots lose again, this week, whether they might consider, you know, uh, a fire sale. You know, because they have some pieces that could help teams down the stretch. And Bill Bill Belichick does love compiling draft picks. So you know, again, I don't I don't know how bad the injury to Tannehill is, and Tannehill's thirty five years old. So, you know, we I, I you know, we'll have to see. But there is no question, and you know, yesterday Kirk Cousins got hurt from the Minnesota Vikings, and they fear that it is an Achilles injury, and if that's the case, Cousins is out for the year. So now if you're the Vikings and you've gotten yourself back in the playoff picture now at four and four, and you have really no options behind Kirk Cousins, does that make Ryan Tannehill a possibility? You know, I, I who knows? Who knows? Uh, but anyway, a great debut for, uh, for Levis. That's great. And uh, it's a short week for Will Levis, too. They've got to turn around and play on Thursday night at Pittsburgh. And they're going to be facing an angry Pittsburgh team, but they're going to be facing a Pittsburgh team that also may be without their quarterback – um, as uh, the Steelers lost yesterday to the Jacksonville Jaguars 20-10, to Kenny Pickett, their young starting quarterback, left the game in the first half with a knee injury, or a rib injury, I'm sorry. He got absolutely hammered. Uh, Mitch Trubisky came in after that, a former Chicago Bear, and as you can imagine, that didn't go well. Uh, he did throw a touchdown pass, but he also threw a couple of picks. And, you know, if, if the Steelers, with only four days between games, if that rib injury is, was bad enough to keep him out of the second half of that game, you have to think there is a good chance that he does not play on Thursday. And so that's a Titan team that is going to be going to Pittsburgh, licking their chops and hoping that they've got an opportunity uh, to do something. Against the Steelers this week, uh, I mean the Steelers did absolutely nothing yesterday. You know, and it wasn't like Jacksonville, by the way. You know, was world beaters. You know, Trevor Lawrence was okay. Um, threw a touchdown pass, threw a pick. The best part about Trevor Lawrence um, was just his poise yesterday. Uh, I thought he did a great job, and uh, one big play, a touchdown pass to Travis Etienne uh, for 56 yards, uh, gave him a 14-point lead. But, you know, Pittsburgh only trailed 9-3 at the half, but they could not run the ball at all. I mean, it was awful. Jacksonville was able to run on that Steeler defense. So, without Kenny Pickett, you got to think that the Tennessee Titans have a good chance to win that game. And then there's the Patriots. And, uh, look, I did not expect the Patriots to win this game, and it probably ended about the way I thought, 31-17. The Dolphins started that game as a a 9.5-point favorite. Now, Dan Zapano on our air on Friday thought New England was going to pull the upset. Not only did they not pull the upset, they didn't even cover the spread. Uh, Dan had a rough week. He was one and six this week. I mean, it's just one thing after another. I mean, hell, Kara, he picked Houston to beat Carolina. Carolina finally won their first game yesterday, beating Houston. So you know, he just the only game he got right was the Seattle-Cleveland game. It was just a brutal week for Dan. Uh, but this game ended the way I thought it would. Uh, Mac Jones came back down to earth and he threw a couple of touchdown passes, but he also threw another bad interception. Jalen Ramsey in his first game of the season for the Dolphins picks. Off a pass, um, and Tua Tungavailoa threw for 324 yards and three touchdowns. And the Patriots, who have been very good at shutting down big receivers, couldn't do it this week. Tyreek Hill caught 112 yards worth of passes eight times for a touchdown. Jalen Waddle seven catches for 121 yards and a touchdown. And it was just, you know, more of the same. And the Dolphins win at 31-17. Um, you know, look, and if you're the Patriots now, what do you do? You're 2-6. and six. You're not going anywhere. I still think they'll be lucky to win six games this year. You could make a case they've got a chance to win next Sunday. The Washington Commanders come to town. But the Washington Commanders are not pushovers. They gave the Philadelphia Eagles all they could handle yesterday. But if you're the Patriots, do you now consider making some trades? They've got guys with expiring contracts, guys like Kendrick Bourne, uh, Kyle Duggar, Hunter Henry, Mike Geseki. They're tight ends. I mean, what do you do? You know, because if you do trade those guys, it's the white flag, and it's you know, it's as close to tanking as the Patriots are ever going to get. But, you know, and if you've decided that uh, Mac Jones is not your guy and, you know, I, I thought he took a step back this week, then maybe that's where you go with this. You know, maybe you just call it a day. Call it a season. I'm not sure that's in uh, Belichick's playbook. You know, I don't know that how well he would take that. But uh, at this point, the Miami Dolphins proved that, you know, it, it isn't just about the fact that the Patriots and Mac Jones. This is about the Patriots across the board do not have the talent. Yes, they've had a bunch of injuries, but at the end of the day, this is just about the Patriots not having enough talent. And that isn't something that uh, that people in New England are used to having to deal with. But, you know, look, right now, you know, it, you're going to be hard pressed to find games that this Patriot team can win. Yes, they can beat Washington at home this week. Yes, Indianapolis the following week is a winnable game. Yes, the Giants the following week, uh, even though it's you know it's on the road, is a winnable game. So those are the next three games for the Patriots. But after that. You got the Chargers. You got Pittsburgh. You got Kansas City. You've got uh, well, maybe Denver. Maybe that would be their sixth win if they get that. But it's at Denver on a Sunday night at Buffalo, and then the Jets to finish out the season. Hell, the Jets are four and three without Aaron Rodgers. So you know, I would not be at all surprised if the Patriots uh, with the with the deadline coming up here in a couple of days, if they don't make some moves. Uh you know they're not going they're probably not going to be bringing back players they're probably going to be looking to bring back draft picks uh for the upcoming draft so uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. It is 32 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. Um I mentioned the uh the Vikings the Vikings uh, lose Kirk Cousins uh, perhaps for the season, and uh, he actually threw a couple of touchdown passes in this game before he was forced to leave uh, with that injury. Threw for 274 yards and a couple of touchdowns, uh, but after that, uh, it got uh, it got ugly. Fortunately, the Green Bay Packers were you know brutal, and it happened after Cousins had thrown his second touchdown pass, and Minnesota led 24 to three. So it didn't matter after that. Um, but at the end of the day. Uh They don't have anybody behind him. They have Jaron Hall, uh, who was a fifth-round pick from BYU. He's a rookie. He played the rest of the game, but uh he's not the answer. They also have Nick Mullins, a guy who's made 17 starts, but he's on injured reserve. So uh <coughs> the Vikings are going to have to do something about a quarterback. I don't know what that's going to look like. Now, I mentioned Tannehill. I, I looked up while we were uh, on break, and – uh they had actually hoped that Tannehill was going to be able to play this week he's got an ankle injury so it's obviously not super serious Cousins is uh you know uh, is going to be a huge loss for Minnesota and if they consider themselves to be in the mix Tannehill might be their guy you know and Tennessee might be willing with what Will Levis did uh yesterday Tannehill's a free agent at the end of the season so I don't know how much you can get for him but the Vikings are in a bit of a desperate spot, so we'll have to see uh, what they decide to do. And now, if you're Green Bay, and I, I talked to Dan Zampano about this on Friday, and they asked if you're a Green Bay fan, is it time to push the panic button about Jordan Love? And he, you know, and he said, hey, you know, like let's remember that Aaron Rodgers, you know, struggled early with the Viking or with the uh, Packers. You know, uh, you know, uh, Brett Favre wasn't great when he started with the Packers. I mean, you know, it just it takes time. So you know love yesterday 24 for 41, 229 yards got sacked four times threw another pick um matter of fact, they didn't score uh, a touchdown until there was like two and a half minutes to go in the third quarter hell Green Bay couldn't move the ball at all in the first half. they didn't even get uh I don't even think they had a a first down uh until late in the first half. I think it was like with four minutes to go in the first half is when they got their first first down of the game. <coughs> think about that. So uh, you know, and they got down big, so they you know they they couldn't use their running game with uh, with uh, Jones and Dylan uh, because they're playing catch up, and they just an inability to move the ball. So uh, Green Bay is you know they're. Uh, they're taking their lumps. They knew. I, I think that a lot of people expected that this would be the case. I don't think people expected Jordan Love to come out and be a difference maker right away. Um, but 2-5 uh, and five now for the Green Bay Packers. So we'll see what the Vikings want to do this week. It's a good win, though, uh, even with Kirk Cousins going down. Um, perhaps, uh, you know, I wouldn't say this was the shocker of the day, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't surprised that, the Cincinnati Bengals beat the San Francisco 49ers. And it wasn't just that they beat the 49ers, is that they dominated this game. They really did. Um, you know, and you can look at times where it was like, well, you know, you know, it wasn't a total blowout and uh, you know, they kept it within a score for a long time. And but let me tell you something. Uh Joe Burrow was As good as I've ever seen him yesterday. He only had four incompletions the entire day. He was 28 of 32, threw three touchdowns, no picks. He ran the ball six times for 43 yards. He had a couple of really big runs for first downs. Um, At one point, I think he completed 19 straight passes. And he picked apart that 49er defense that's supposed to be so good. Uh, they had uh, uh, 460 yards of offense against that team yesterday. So, you know, all of a sudden, the Cincinnati Bengals are looking like they may be a very dangerous team. They're 4-3. and three. They're in a, a logjam in the AFC North with Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati all in the same boat. But, you know, of those 3 teams, Cincinnati's the only one I have any confidence in. The Browns are just a mess right now. You know, PJ Walker at quarterback and uh what's going on with Deshaun Watson? I you know, that's a mystery. Boy, what I'll tell you what, talk about maybe uh turning out to be a disastrous trade for the Browns all the everything that they handed over to Houston to get Deshaun Watson. And all the money they gave to Sean Watson after you know his uh, issue with the massage therapists, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that's a train wreck. So if I'm uh, if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals and I'm looking at the way Joe Burrow's playing, if he if he continues to stay upright, they are going to be a very very dangerous team down the stretch. The shocker of the day, without a doubt, with not even close. The Denver Broncos beat the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday 24-9. The Chiefs managed just three first-half field goals from Harrison Butker. That's it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Now, supposedly he was sick. He said he had, like, flu-like symptoms. He caught some kind of a bug from his – he's got two young kids and his wife, and kids are just germ factories, and – So he said he started feeling bad the night before. Uh, He wasn't good. You know, the two picks, he got sacked three times. Uh, You know, really wasn't uh, a factor with the legs. But give – and look, it was – the weather in Denver was brutal. Give the Broncos credit. You know, I mean, uh, Russell Wilson only threw 19 passes. 12 of 19 for 114 yards, but three touchdowns did not get intercepted. He did get sacked six times. So, you know, it was it was uh uh it was not an easy day for him. But Javante Williams ran for eighty-five yards and uh caught three passes, one of them for a touchdown. Uh and uh Russell Wilson did what he needed to do. He managed the game, and the defense really was the difference here. Uh, As they held the uh, Chiefs to 275 yards of offense and kept them out of the end zone. And by the way, I mean, the Chiefs had just owned the Broncos. The Broncos had lost 16 straight games to Kansas City. 16 straight! So, uh, it was the... I love this. In the AP story, it said that they beat Kansas City for the first time in 2,965 days. (laughs) And if you're the Chiefs, you're probably blaming Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift was not at the game. Travis Kelsey just six catches for 58 yards, so it's probably Taylor Swift's fault that you lost this game. (laughs) Uh, The Chiefs uh, will play overseas next week they will face the Miami Dolphins in Frankfurt Germany in another one of those stupid NFL Europe games uh, the Broncos have a week off and then they will play at Buffalo at November 13th but uh, hey look uh, you know Denver's now three and five they've won two in a row uh, you know they have a lot of work to do there's no doubt but what a what an upset yesterday! There, I mean, definitely the biggest uh, upset of the game uh, of the week, uh, you know. And maybe the Cowboys blowing out the Rams the way they did a bit of a, a shock. Dak Prescott had his best game of the year, threw four touchdowns. Uh, he had he ended up with three hundred yards passing, uh, but he threw for two hundred twenty-five of those in the first half because the game was over at halftime. I mean, it was just stupid. Um, and if you're a An Eagles fan, and you watched that game yesterday with the Commanders, and by the way, if you're a Patriot fan and watching those Commanders, look, uh, Washington moved the ball on Philly. They made Philly very uncomfortable yesterday. Now, Jalen Hurts was banged up. No question about that. uh, But a good job by the Eagles to come back and win that game because that, I mean, 35 points, by the way, between the two teams were scored in the fourth quarter. 35 points. But the Eagles finally took control of the game uh, midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, They scored a couple of touchdowns. Washington got a consolation touchdown at the end to make it look a little closer. But uh, look, the quarterback for Washington, Sam Howell, threw for 397 yards and four touchdowns yesterday. They threw the ball 52 times. Uh, But Jalen Hurts was limping noticeably, did not really try to run. I think he only ran four times for like six yards is you know that's like the lowest of his career. Um, he is uh, he is not right. And if you're an Eagles fan, and that's why I said, you know, they may be seven and one, but that's a house of cards right now. Because if Jalen Hurts that knee gets any worse and he ends up out for any length of time, this Eagles team could be in big big trouble. Uh, and the Chargers last night beat the Bears. Uh, You know, and they're talking about, you know, this is the Charger team we thought we'd see. You know, uh, Chris Collins was saying that in the game last night. Let's calm down. You are playing the Chicago Bears that are, you know, that came into the game 2-5. and You know, I know the Chargers hadn't been very good, but good Lord, if they couldn't beat the Chicago Bears, everybody should have been fired. Everybody. Uh, You know, and just look, uh, Justin Herbert looked much more comfortable this week than he did last week. Uh, threw for 298 yards. The uh, uh, the love affair with the uh, with uh, Tyson Bagent, the uh, young Division two quarterback, undrafted uh, rookie that got a win for the Bears last week, came back down to earth this week. Hung in there. Look, you, you know that's uh, you know threw a couple of picks, threw for 232 yards, but that was a tough assignment. You know, it caught lightning in a bottle that first week. But my God, you, you listen to Chris Collinsworth yesterday. He's a. I think he's the most insufferable analyst on television right now. I, honest to God, you know. I mean, he was like, it was like sucking up to this guy all night, and you know, he was a great story that one week. But let's not get carried away. But uh, that was a win the Chargers need to have. They're three and four. Uh, you know, I don't think they've got a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. Although, as I said, with no great teams, you look at those Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody thought they were the best team in football, and you know. That offense has been okay, and we've seen a couple of games where they've exploded, but by and large, uh, their offense has been very, very inconsistent. So uh, some big surprises yesterday, but there's no doubt that Chiefs-Broncos game was the biggest of all of them. We're going to take one more break. we got some World Series action coming up tonight. Finally, I hated not having baseball yesterday, but I guess I better get used to that because this thing's going to be over um, by the end of the weekend. So uh, game three coming up tonight. We'll talk about that in a minute. You're listening to The Wake-Up Call on Sports Country. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Monday morning. Uh, game three in the World Series tonight. Max Scherzer will take the mound for Texas. Uh, Brandon Fott will take the uh, hill for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Max Scherzer has started three World Series games. He's 1-0 and with a 3.86 in those games. Uh, but... He has been brutal in the playoffs this year. Look, this is a guy who didn't pitch for the better part of a month with that shoulder injury. Um, he made two starts in the ALCS, uh, was 0-1 with an ERA at 9.45. Uh, he, uh, he gave up five, uh, five runs in four innings in game three, and then he gave up two runs in two and two-thirds in game seven. Uh, he's dealing with a cut on his thumb. And supposedly he's figured it out they're using super glue, some, some combination of super glue and cotton to try to keep that thing uh, from opening up. He said he can throw his fastball 100%. And he just said, the question is, is how many pitches can I throw? And he said, that's the one thing we haven't nailed down. The problem is, is that he has been very, very hittable. Uh, Fott, on the other hand, is a kid that actually got demoted at one point during the season, uh, ended up. Uh, with an ERA of 5.72, but he was in the minors for a month from the end of May to the end of June. And then he they sent them back down again for a couple of weeks in July. Uh, so he wasn't great in the regular season, but in four postseason starts, he doesn't have a decision, but he's only pitched uh, to a 2.70 ERA. And if we learned anything uh, from world the World uh, Series – game two, is that you cannot count out this Arizona team. I mean, after the Rangers came back and won game one in that dramatic fashion with the walk-off home run, uh, you know, again, it just seemed like the Rangers were the team of destiny. But we thought that, you know, in the ALCS, too, and uh, they got pushed a little bit. So now here we are, you know, the Diamondbacks lose game 1. That could have absolutely crushed them, but they come back in game 2 and beat the Rangers 9 to 1. 9 to 1. Uh it was a little bit more lopsided. It wasn't really as lopsided as that. They ended up uh really opening it up. This was a 2 to 1 game going into the 7th inning. Uh, and then it was 4-1 to one at the end of seven, and then they tacked on uh, five more in the last two innings off of Martin Perez. Uh, but uh, this Diamondbacks team is not going to go away. Tommy Pham is on an absolute tear. Tommy Pham went four for four in game two. He actually had a chance to go five for five. This is the only other people to ever have done that, um, I believe – was uh, Albert Pujols did it and I think Paul Molitor did it all the way back in 1982 and they both went five for six well he had a chance to have his first five to have a five hit game and he actually went to his manager and said hey uh, let Jace Peterson hit for me my last time up you know uh, he and Peterson are pretty good friends and Uh, he went, he went to his manager and said, this is what I want you to do. And then he went to Jace Peterson and said, this is, you know, this is what we're going to do. Uh, and the only thing Tory Lavula said, well, okay, are you sure? And by the way, um, unless we score more runs, I'm not buying that one. Because when he came to him to say it, it was in the seventh inning. And he said, unless we score more runs, you know, that's not happening. Or he said, no, he did it in the eighth inning. Um... And but as it turned out, it worked out just fine, and, and Peterson got up, and uh, you know, and he so Tommy Pham, uh, who was pissed when he got benched at one point in the NLCS, uh, has played very very well lately, and of course here in the World Series, uh, he has five hits in eight trips to the plate. So uh, uh, right now, he is their hottest hitter. Uh, I could tell Marte with another hit, he continues to uh, extend his uh, consecutive game hitting street and postseason play. Uh, so um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I almost think it's advantage Arizona tonight. The way Max Scherzer has been pitching and we saw the way Arizona played at home against the Phillies. I almost think the Phillies have an advantage going into that game tonight, but we'll see. Uh, College top twenty five poll came out. Georgia's still number one after they uh, rolled all over Florida. I mean, they, that was that game was over at halftime. Uh, Michigan was off this week. They are still number two. Ohio State three. Florida State four, and Washington five. The top five teams in the poll all eight and zero. The only other two teams in the top twenty five that are undefeated. Air Force is now at number seventeen. James Madison. Um, is also 8-0. James Madison is not even eligible for a bowl game because they just came, uh, they just made the transition to uh, the, uh, uh, the bowl series division. And by rule, they are not even allowed to go to a bowl game this year, but they are ranked in the top 25. Um, and uh, Oregon makes a big jump. They get back up to number six uh, after they whacked Utah uh, this weekend. But uh, the surprise uh, for everybody so far, Kansas uh, in the top 25 after beating Oklahoma for the first time since 1977. That's, whew. Uh So they uh, they took a tumble in the poll, and uh, Kansas is now number 22. Oklahoma falls to number 10. Uh, Ryan Blaney advances to the NASCAR championship, so it'll be Blaney, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, and William Byron. Um for the championship coming up this weekend. And uh, just a horrific story. Um, Adam Johnson, who played in the NHL uh, for a few seasons for the Pittsburgh Penguins, was playing uh, in England uh, in what's called the Elite Ice Hockey League. And he was killed during a game when... His throat was slashed by a skate. Um, and he bled out. Uh, there were 8,000 people at this game. Uh, it happened in uh, Sheffield. Uh, just absolutely, uh, brutal. Uh, they brought it, it was so bad. Uh, they brought out screens, um, and and put them onto the ice to put them up uh, around Johnson so that uh uh people couldn't see everything but uh, just oh just awful i mean just last week uh, one of the bruins players uh took a skate to the face and got cut right by his eye it just missed his eyeball i mean those skates you could shave with those things if you've never experienced that if these guys that play uh you know college and and pro hockey these skates, you literally could shave with them. That's how sharp they are. And this this young kid, 29 years old, uh, who played parts of two seasons for the Pittsburgh Penguins, was killed uh, this weekend in England. Uh, just oh God, what a just well. Oh. Well, I mean, I guess if you're going to go play in a game you love, but good lord, uh, 29 years old. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We've got Monday Night Football tonight. Uh, and uh, we have, of course, Game 3 of the World Series. So we'll talk about that tomorrow morning. We leave you with some music from Delbert McClinton's called Old Weakness. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.